Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to Los Santa Teresa, <laughs> California, and Los Angeles. We're, we're like Los what? <laughs> well, well, uh, it takes place in Santa Teresa and also Los Angeles and thereabouts. Yes. I don't know where Santa Teresa is and if it's even fictional. I didn't have time to research that. You know, I think that when the Kinsey Mulhoun books, um, A is for alibi, B is for bastard, whatever. Uh-huh. I think those are based in, I think she's based in Santa Teresa. Oh, so it's a real life thing? I don't, this I do not know. Oh, okay. She could have gotten it from this movie. I don't know. It didn't say anything in the in the trivia. Okay. What, what movie are we doing here? We are doing 1966 Harper. Harper. Yes. Not I, the original name. No. Oh, are we getting into that now or do, are we waiting? Okay. We can wait. It's a two hour movie. Warner Brothers. Give us the particulars. The particulars. Whilst I drink. It was directed by Jack Snight. He also directed Midway, Airport, 1975, The Twilight Zone episodes, like numerous episodes, and numerous episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, amongst other things. Oh. Produced by Elliot Kastner, who also produced The Long Goodbye, The Big Sleep, and Angel Heart, along with Jerry Gershwin. The screenplay is by one of our main men. Shout out. One William Holdman, also responsible for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Hello. All the President's Men, Marathon Man, mm-hmm. and The Princess Bride, just to name a few. Oh, one of my all-time faves. It's based on a book called The Moving Target by Ross McDonald. McDonald. Um, and it's a part of the Lou Archer series, detective series. Ross McDonald is considered the primary heir to the hard-boiled detective novels by uh, Dashiell Hammett and Raymond Chandler. All right, then. The music is by Johnny Mandel. He also did The Verdict and The Russians Are Coming and MASH. And, oh, I didn't write this down in my notes, but I thought that it was a little interesting that... Mm -hmm. The song, and I don't remember what the song is, but that one of the piano women are playing, that that was by uh, Andre Previn. And I thought that that was interesting because this week or last week um, in The New Yorker, there was that whole profile on Sunyi Previn, who's married to Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wait. What her? That's her last name, and then me. And so then I had to like look up the the guy who's, I guess her dad. So when I saw his name, I was like, oh man, wasn't that interesting? Um. Well, that's a whole nother podcast. I know, but I just <laughs> thought how I was like, ah, Hollywood. Wow. It's it's all intertwined. Yeah. Well, it's very incestuous. Yeah, that was a really interesting profile. Because it was written by, like, this lady 
uh, an author who is friends of them for years, decades. And so it was just, I mean, it doesn't clear anything up. It's just, <laughs> just very, still very as murky and mucky as ever. Yay. They have their point of view and there's another point of view. And honestly, who, I mean, who do you trust? Because there's just, it's just, it's really weird. Because <laughs> mm. I don't really think that Mia Farrow seemed to be like that great of a mom. But I don't know. That's just what some of the adopted kids say. And it's not like it's just one that says that. And then yeah. there's others. So it's weird. It's really weird. Okay. Anyway. Not our story today. Not today. When we do a Mia Farrow film, then. Which might be coming up. Oh, hey, yeah. That's true. Keep Write that down. Um, the DP, the director of photography, our main man, Connie Hall, old Conrad Hall. Remember, he did I Butch do. and Sundance, Cool Hand Luke. I do. American Beauty. But I don't feel like he, he did the eyes as well in this one. Really? His eyes popped in this one. Okay. Well, I have a whole tangent to go on about that. Okay. And since I I had to write my notes in my phone, so I couldn't put this in the trivia section. I don't want to forget it. Conrad Hall was born in Tahiti. His father was an ace World War One pilot. And his father co-wrote Mutiny on the Bounty. Oh, my God. I know. Crazy. All right. So, starring, of course, Paul Newman as Lou Harper. Janet Lee as mm. Susan Harper. Mm -hmm. You may know Janet Lee at, from Psycho, <laughs> Touch of Evil, The Manchurian Candidate. I was scrolling through Janet Lee's filmography and Janet Lee was a big deal. Mm -hmm. She was in a ton of movies. Married to Tony Curtis, long enough to have Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. So I was, I said, wow, you did a lot of work, Janet mm -hmm. Lee. She did. Also in this movie, Lauren Bacall mm -hmm. as Elaine Sampson. Have we, is this our first Lauren Bacall movie? I believe it is. Okay. I have tangents to go on, but she is also into having to have not, The Big Sleep, The Mirror Has Two Faces, How to Marry a Millionaire. I think that we need to do more Lauren Bacall films. Oh, definitely. Because of her, last Saturday night I watched um, Key Largo. It was on TV and there, nothing else was on. I watched oh. Key Largo. Oh, was it good? It was really good. <laughs> well, what, you cheating? You cheating on Gone with it. the Bushes? No, it was a movie that came on the TV and I just watched it because I'd just seen the Lauren in this and, and that one had a whole lot more of the Lauren in it. All right. And... It also has Julie Harris as Betty Fraley. Another quite gifted and proficient actress. I had no idea. I thought I had never seen this woman before. I thought, oh, she's just like, who is this lady? Mm -hmm. and, and then you read about her? This woman. Yeah. Ten 
Tony nominations. She won five Tonys for acting. She is a Kennedy Center honoree. And guess what Kennedy Center honoree class she was inducted in? Not a clue. Well, I'm going to tell you. Dancer Susan Farrell. I don't know who that lady is, but obviously she's a fantastic dancer because listen to the rest of the people who are there in the picture with her. Robert Redford. What? Tony Bennett. Dang. And Tina freaking Turner. Wow. You, if you are in a picture getting a Kennedy Center honor and Tina Turner is in your class with you, I mean, along with Tony Bennett and Robert Redford and Susan Farrell, like, you are the bomb diggity. Plus, you would know all those people except Susan Farrell. Exactly. Exactly, because I'm scrolling through her Wikipedia page and I'm like, oh, Tina, Tur- how, why is Tina Turner in this lady's picture? Like, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she, she's, she, is she still alive? Tina she Turner? Wants- no. Oh. We're, we're talking Julie Harris. Oh, Julie Harris? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. She was, she, she was, or it continues to be amazing. Her yeah. work continues to be amazing. I had no idea because mm-hmm. she didn't really do that many films. She's an actress. She's from the theater. She is truly of the stage. Yes. Um, Author Hill as Albert Graves. That's who he was. He, I just know him from, um, the only movie that I really recognized from his filmography was, Andromeda Strain. And I don't even And he's been in a lot of TV. He's been in tons of stuff. Yeah, okay. Tons of stuff. Um, Shelly Winters as Faye Easterbrook. That that was a surprise. I did not expect to see the shell. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that you saw Key Largo because I, some time ago, had seen a movie that Shelley Winters is in called A Place in the Sun. And this is early young Shelley Winters. Yeah. And I was like, oh, because I only knew Shelley Winters from Roseanne. Oh. Yeah. So she was like older and bigger. And I was like, oh, man, Shelley Winters was an actress. She was not only that, she got around in Hollywood quite... Oh, proficiently. Was she a female stick man? Um, um, I don't know what you mean by stick man, but I'm going to say yes. Yeah. you know, Like uh, Warren Beatty. Those are, she Michael, stuck to her a lot. Michael Rappaport <laughs> stuck to her a lot. <laughs> there is no... Th- like, that should be in this time time and climate of society there should be like a female the equivalent of a stick man that's not a whore you know why why is it called stick man dare i ask well think about it you just said she got stuck a lot okay okay just just checking it was like world-class stick men like when burt reynolds died they were like oh world-class stick man yeah down yeah 
So, but she- unfortunately, Shelly Winters probably everybody thought she was what, like a whore. Um, I, I, I a lot of stammering <laughs> because, like, I would watch Mike Douglas and Merv Griffin. And she'd come on, and, and it was when she was, it was like around the time of the Poseidon Adventure in the 70s. And um, so she had gained a lot of weight. And and so she was like writing an autobiography, if I remember this right, I'm not sure. But this is how I remember it. And there were a whole lot of men who were really nervous about her autobiography because they were married and they didn't want it to come out that she had. Oh, snap. Shelly Winters. Yeah. And she was like, you know, kind of like, yeah, uh, flaunting it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? That's what I did. And and so she wasn't like embarrassed by it or feeling whorish by it. I'm sure that the white men did, you know, label her, but they were also having a lot of sex with her. See, she needs to have, like, there needs to be an equivalent of that that needs to come out now for this. I mean, look at all the beautiful men that are in Hollywood, and she was just having the time of her life. She was, Burt Lancaster. See? The same way that all the, like, Warren Beatty was. Yeah. And, And look how people judge the two of them. Yeah. And also... I don't know if this is true or not, but I put her in the, oh, what do I, what is that called when somebody's like on an ally in the ally column? Because I guess she spoke briefly to the marchers at Selma. So, well, I'm way like, to go, Shelly. Well, Shelly, you gained weight. You still worked in Hollywood. You had Which your fun. Which wasn't easy to do, but of course they had to mention. Oh, I know. Well, we'll get to that. So and and then the dude called her fat and I'm going, dang, I wish I was that fat. I I don't know. We'll have to do a little bit more of a deeper dive into Shelley Winters' roles. But in A Place in the Sun, she was playing. I wonder if she always played like the unattractive. I'll bet she did. Like because in A Place in the Sun, she she's young. And I was struck by how attractive, in fact, that she was. But Mm -hmm. in that sort of. Uh, not traditional look definitely but yet her role is very much of the wet blanket Mm. so i was like oh interesting anyway yeah and so then she should flaunt yeah well okay you didn't think i was attractive enough but look at all these people that yeah i chose to go to bed with Mm -hmm. so she was as you said the poseidon adventure alfie other things. And then another main man, Strother Martin, as Claude. So. Okay, Claude. Oh, Claude, yes. He was in a whole lot of 60s TV. Stro- well, he was the uh, boss in the last movie, Cool Hand Luke. Oh, no, I was thinking of Troy. Yeah. I was thinking of Troy. Okay, no. okay. Claude and, is And the- you did not mention. Oh, you know what? I, you know why? Because I've been listening to that podcast about uh, called Fatal Voyage, the death of Natalie Wood, and I'm not a big fan of this man right now. I'm gonna have to listen to that one. Fatal Voyage. Fatal Voyage. It it's done. I maybe Australian or the BBC. 
Oh, fun. And it is kind of uh, tabloidy. So I am not quite sure how much of this is like. Yeah. But it does raise some questions. And the case has been reopened. And as of 2018, Robert Wagner is a person of interest. So every time he came on the screen, I'm just looking into his eyes going, did you murder your wife, sir? Did you murder your wife? Okay. So, yes, I'm sorry. I'm not done. Robert Wagner. He plays beauty. He was also. See, I I always had a nice feeling of him because he was number two in the Austin Powers films. He was also in the Towering Inferno and the Pink Panther and like tons of uh, TV in your prime. Right, Ma? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Heart to heart. Yeah. So you to you, catch a thief. You like him when you see him. You're like, oh, I, Bobby Rat, RJ. RJ. I did. I mean, I wasn't like, I, I wasn't gaga over him, but I did it because he presented with a certain swagger. That that uh at you know a sixties swagger, but um, yeah, I can take or leave now. Well, you we'll see how you feel upon listening to Fatal Voyage. Okay. Okay. Well, the um scene starts with an alarm clock going off, and Paul is in a sofa bed. There's a TV on rollers like we all had in the 60s. He's in his underwear. Mm. Uh, He goes and lifts the shades up. There's a mini fridge. He gets out an old tiny ice cube tray. And he, the kind I used to always pinch my hand in because you had to, there was a lever you had to release. And I always pinched my hand in that. Oh, that was painful. And he dumps the tray in a sink and then sticks his head in it. It seemed like a really complicated ice cream tray. I mean, ice cube tray. I was just just looking at it. Like, why is that so complicated looking? And, well, when he was running water on it, that's what I used to have to do because it was metal. And so you'd have to run water on it. But then you would stick to the still frozen parts. And in order to dislodge the ice a little bit so you could pull the lever that then pulled the things that divided the ice were all attached to the lever so they would shift and that's how the ice would come out. Is that because like plastic wasn't big back then? What year was the graduate? Oh, the graduate wasn't that 1968 or 1969? Plastic, son. Plastic, son. Plastics. Well, yeah. It was. So he pours the ice cubes and he puts his face in the sink. He does. Then he starts to make coffee and the can is empty. So he's disgusted. And this is all nonverbal. He looks in the trash and there's the yesterday's used coffee grounds and he uses them again. Well, he does have a moment which I think and William Goldman, he later agrees it's the moment where you're on, you're like, all right, I'm with you, Harper, because he doesn't <clears throat> instantly go into the garbage. Oh, man. 
Aaron's got the the froggy in the throat. Today. I got I, yeah, I, I got the old man throat all of a sudden. Now, pardon me, dear listeners. He doesn't just go in there, so he's not like a dirt bag. He, you see the pain on his face, and everyone has been there when it's just you. And something's run out, and you have an option, and you know what it means, but you're just debating on how badly do like how badly does he want this coffee? You see him battle with it. Do I want coffee bad enough that I'm gonna go in the garbage? And look, there's nothing on. It's on top of the garbage. It was. It it was on top of the garbage. It and wasn't you like s- there was spaghetti and meatballs it wasn't, on top. Yeah, of that. there wasn't spaghetti and meatballs, but he's still like it was in the garbage. But he's like, yeah. but there's nothing around it, and it's just me. So he goes ahead and he makes it, and I'm like, you know what, Harper? I've been there. I I feel in your predicament. Solid choice. You had to. And then he takes a sip, and it's awful. Yeah. So yeah. it's obvious he lives in his office. Which yes. reminds you of the verdict, dude. Okay, in in his bedroom is a picture of Janet Lee. Yes, you, you don't. I mean, you don't know anything else. You find out he's a private eye. He puts on his gun. He is chewing gum, and um, anyone who knows me knows how much I hate gum. And so that was so off-putting. The entire movie, he chews gum. I didn't know you hate gum. Oh, I hate gum. Mm. Well, for myself. It's a long story. Okay, so it looks like he's on the 405. He's in a convertible. Hold on a second. Just hold on a second. It does look like he's on the 405, except he's moving. There is. And there's hardly any traffic. Hardly any traffic. (laughs) There's hardly any construction. Yeah. I just, because I knew, I was like, that's the four. Oh my God. Yeah. Did they yeah. close it down? No. I'm thinking that's just how it was. That's how it was. There wasn't anything to get to. Yeah. And that's when I realized when they do a really good job of making period pieces now, but the thing that they can't really replicate is they can replicate the driving in cars because they can do the green screen, but they can't really replicate what was what we saw in Harper. The like what it really looked like. Mm-hmm. I guess they can kind of do it in CGI, but I just find that they. I'm like I don't I don't remember seeing that with the cars and getting it so that there's just enough cars on the road and just how it was because there wasn't cars and it wasn't built up. Yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't, there weren't huge buildings on both sides of the 405 the whole time. And um, at that point, Poppy walked by, so I asked what kind of a car it was. It was a Porsche Speedster 356. Oh, wow. But it wasn't, like, didn't his door have a different color? Yeah, it was like it had been in a wreck and he had to get the door fixed, but um, they didn't. He never had the car repainted, so everything was the same color. So it was an old car, but it was a nice car in its day. But did, so did people treat it like, oh, it's a Porsche, so it's oh, this it's nice, or did they treat it like, oh, this guy is driving like an old uh, Corolla? 
Not an old Corolla, but like an like old, an old Jaguar. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, or or a really old Corvette that that has a door that a different color. You know, um, it was a nice car, but you need to you can and you can get it fixed. You can you can, but he hasn't. Ah, so you know that he's not rich. He's not rich, but he has good taste. He has good taste um, in cars. Okay, so he goes to a sign that says Santa Teresa. He goes to um, see Mrs. Sampson has has asked for his services. So there are gates that have to let him in. It's a long, winding drive. There's a, a maid at the door. There's someone diving in their pool. Well... Uh, Mrs. Sampson isn't on the regular, on the living level of the house. He has to go upstairs to see her. And here's a woman with a, with a towel around her and UV lights all around her. And she has on protective glasses for her eyes. So it's, it's like a tanning bed before a tanning bed. Oh, I didn't know. I, I, that's what I thought. I, was this a tanning bed before tanning beds? Or is this some sort of weird light thing? And then I'm like, man, this is the 60s. So who knows what is yeah, going on Yeah, I thought it could have been light therapy after we find out that that um, we see a shot of a wheelchair. She doesn't move from the lounge that she's on. But she does and- move her legs. Um, and who is that woman, Erin? Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall says, uh, I hear you're good at finding things. My husband's disappeared. Uh, um, I, I want you to find out which female he's with, but I don't want you to tell him I'm looking, um, because that might excite him and I'm not going to divorce him. I don't care how many other women he's with and I'm going to outlive him. And then she talks about how she had an accident. She had an accident shortly after they were married. And as soon as she had the accident and was paralyzed, he took a new woman. Now, Ma, did she remind you of anyone? Because... In our real life or in fiction? No. Well, I don't know. To me, when I saw Lauren... Because it's Lauren Bacall. So this is 19... What? 66... So I'm like, well, this is kind of, this isn't super young Lauren Bacall. Right. But she still looks fantastic. Yes. And then I said, oh my gosh, Lauren Bacall. And I know that I'm going to, it's going to, this is in chronological order of the extended Gone with the Bushes universe. So it goes out of order chronologically. But Lauren Bacall has that Charlotte Rampling look, TM. She definitely did. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, snap. And then I said, I bet that's what they saw in Charlotte Rampling, that she had that Lauren Bacall look. And the hooded eyes, too. It's what I'm saying. It's the hooded eyes. And, like, notice how both of them, you know how most people, you can't see the bottom of their, the bottom of their eyeball, their iris. Right. Because your eyelid comes up just a little bit. But on them, with their eyes, you see the bottom of of their eyeballs, their irises. And that's what gives them that 
Lauren Bacall Charlotte Rampling look TM? I think Charlotte Rampling got it from Lauren Bacall. Well, of course she got it. I think Charlotte Rampling looked in the mirror and went, my eyelids kind of do what hers do, so I'm going to just do that stare. Probably. That's why now we need to... The thing that I came away from this movie was we need to watch more Lauren Bacall films. Okay. Because I was like, oh, man. It's just that. I'm like, man, that no wonder she's a movie star. She's just sitting here and she's stealing the scene from Paul Newman. Mm-hmm. And Harper's only interested in the facts. Like she is kind of being a little flirty with him. She only has a towel around herself. He sits on a robe and she says, you're sitting on my robe. Yes, because she's and got he- that voice as well. Yeah, and he doesn't care. He just wants the facts. Well, I think that he does care, but he's telling himself not to. Because notice like how he he'll, he looks at her, but then he looks away at her. And so he doesn't want to be drawn into this. He's like, Lord, like, look at like, ah. I gotta, I gotta like, stay. I just want the facts. I'm not, I've been a detective long enough to know how these dames are. Dames. Yeah. Okay. Well, the husband was last seen coming home from Vegas and he was extremely drunk. So let's go back just a little bit to expo- to just clarify. She doesn't care that he's with another woman. She just wants to know where he is. She's only concerned that he is missing. Yeah, he's he- missing. And honestly, her main goal, like, because she thinks, oh, he wants the, my, like, when you find my husband, if he's with another woman, he's going to think that I'm trying to divorce him. And she's like, no, I'm not divorcing his ass. My whole goal in life is to outlive him because then right. she's going to get the money. And this guy is worth $20 million in 1966. So he's loaded. Yeah. Okay, well, there's a, there's a, um, oh, I hate to say servant. What do you, there's a the, servant. The butler guy? Outside, yeah, like a butler. His name is Felix, and he's lurking in the doorway. And she says, Felix, you're lur- lurking in the doorway again. Well, um, Paul Newman goes downstairs, asks to use a telephone. Remember, there are only landlines now. So the um, the maid, who is white, uh, housekeeper, exactly. And she's she just says use that one over there. And he said I I'd prefer to use a, a private one. And she said that's the only one you get. Well, no, she said that's the one that the help use. Yeah, and he's you know like look, buddy, you're the help. You're not better than me. So he calls someone, and who he's calling is Fred, and his wife Susan, Janet Lee, is there. She has been trying to get him to finalize their divorce for a really long time, and he always has an emergency and can't show up. And she is, she's over it. She says, I don't love you. Uh, If you get shot in an alley, I'd, I'd be a little sorry, but just a little. And just know you're not loved. Yeah, she's she has an accent. Janet Jan Lee was doing an accent. She reminded me of sort of early to mid Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh. She was like okay. doing a bit of an accent and she's 
you know, trying to be like strong. And she's just like, I, I want this divorce. You keep saying it over and over again. And she's like, I know what you're doing. You're stalling because you think that I'm going to go back and that it's that I am wrong in this decision. But guess what? No, I don't love you. And it's like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. Well, then we meet Alan, who is the aforementioned R.J., Mr. Wagner. A.K.A. Beauty. And we meet, which is Rich. Isn't it Rich for Paul Newman to be calling somebody else Beauty? I found that Rich. Uh, Miranda is Mr. Sampson's daughter, the stepdaughter of Lauren Bacall. And they don't like each other. We don't know that yet because the daughter is is doing the boogaloo on the diving board. Oh, that's what that is? The boogaloo? I don't know, but she's dancing something. She's doing that 1960s, like, weird twist dance thing. You you know, you've seen it. Like the, what they would do in the go-go cages, right? Yes, definitely. There you go. Um, okay, so Elaine is the, is Mrs. Sampson, mm -hmm. correct? Elaine is Lauren Bacall. And she fell off a horse shortly after they were married and um, the Miranda is like just disgusted that she actually got paralyzed from falling off a horse. I mean, come on, who does that? Um, and she takes everything to extremes. Well, Alan Robert Wagner is a pilot and he flew Mr. Sampson back into Santa Teresa and then they, they went to the Bel Air Hotel where he has a little bungalow and he hasn't been seen since. But Robert Wagner can just say that, uh, yeah, he was really drunk and um, he said he was going to spend the night there. And um, that's the last I saw it. And, the pro and Elaine mentions to Paul Newman Harper that... She's worried because when he gets really drunk, he gets really generous. And he gave a whole bunch of money to some religious cult. He gave, he gave a, a mountain. whole mountain yeah. to this religious cult. Okay, so uh, Albert Graves. The next thing we see is Albert Graves, who is Samson's lawyer, the aforementioned Arthur Hill. Mm-hmm. And... He and Harper are old friends. Old friends. And that's how Harper got this case. Right. Um, Albert recommended him for this case. So Alan says he'll fly um, Harper to L.A. So they get in the in the limo. Felix is driving. Oh, well, wait it a second. We also learned that the lawyer, who is he, Alex? Alan. Alan. The, he has the hots for the daughter, Miranda. And the dad has been uh, kind of like pushing them together. And he's super excited by it because, you know, she's like young and rich. And he's this older guy. So he's just, he's completely. He's the age of her father. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. It's extremely creepy. Very, very, very creepy. And it appears that Miranda is totally into Alan. Well, yeah, because he's better. He's like a pilot and his nickname is Beauty and he lives in the guest pool. And, you know, he's Not that the guy. Pool, honey, the pool house. Yeah, the guest pool house. <laughs> it, 
It goes without saying. <laughs> Unless he is shape of water. Okay, so um, so Robert Wagner tells Paul Newman, Felix is always listening. And uh, aren't you, Felix? Aren't you? And, you know, it's embarrassing. But the, uh, And then Alan tells Paul Newman, uh, the father was trying to get the daughter to marry Albert Graves. Okay, so we find out Samson was an alcoholic, but was he also losing his mind because he gave this mountain away? And he only lives to make money. He has to make money or he's not living, and he has $20 million. His son was killed a few years back, and he hasn't been right after that. Um, now, he, now he's got Alan, and Alan goes, isn't Miranda incredible? No, um, 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 that that was Graves was saying, isn't Miranda incredible? And, and Paul Newman goes, you're old enough to be her grandfather. <laughs> and so um, Paul Newman tells the lawyer who's going to pay his pay his salary that he gets $2,000 flat, $100 a day plus expenses. And these people have so much money, they're like, okay, fine. Yeah. Whatever you want. Well, Miranda shows up. She decided to fly to L.A. as well. And they're in a beach craft. And I um, I wanted to get Poppy to see it to see if it's the kind that Grandpa Chico owned. But uh, he wasn't around. Well, also, um, duh, that Miranda wanted to go with Paul. I mean, Paul Newman shows up. Hello. Yeah, oh, where, are you going? In, I'm going. <laughs> that would be me. I'm going. <laughs> okay, well, they get they, they fly into L.A., and Paul Newman tries to, you know, gives her a hand to get out of the plane because it's, it's, it's a little plane, and she won't take his hand. You know, she's too good for that. She's playing hard to get. Yeah, she is. So they get to the Bel Air Hotel, and Miranda goes right to the, the, the check-in clerk, but he... Paul Newman goes to the switchboard operator. And yeah, because they're all ladies and he's Paul Newman. <laughs> but again, this is not his first rodeo. So he, he's asking about uh, Mr. Sampson. And did Mr. Sampson call for a limo? And she said he did. But then a few minutes later, he called back and canceled that limo. So we have no idea where Samson is. The desk clerks, and then Miranda goes, the desk clerk said daddy hasn't been here for a month. So they go to daddy's bungalow. Oh, this. <laughs> this what? <laughs> what so did Paul 60s. Newman say when he opened the door? He, he said something to the effect of, well, no wonder he was a drunk. If I had to oh. live in this room, I'd drink myself <laughs> Dead too. His bedroom had a round bed, round walls, and on all the walls were astrology signs. Not just astrology signs, and not just round, round walls in deep purple paint with huge three foot, like gold or like bronze looking, um, what is astrology signs? Astrology, yeah, huge. Well, Miranda throws herself on the bed and Paul Newman just ignores her and she goes, let's relax. And Paul Newman goes, why? So uh, beauty in the next room can get all hot and bothered. 
if you can't get him, I'm all hot and bothered, then I'm not going to help you. So then she keeps saying, oh, come on, come on. And finally he, go, he calls her bluff. He goes, okay. So he turns off the lights and starts toward the bed. She jumps off the bed. I didn't understand that. Idiot. <laughs> so there's a picture of a woman in that room. And we know who that woman is. And like, um, Paul Newman says, what happened to that woman? And Beauty goes, she got fat. Well, I think he woman. says, who's the woman? And we instantly know, like, oh, that's Shelley Winters. But her character, Faye, he says, oh, isn't that so, whatever, yeah, Faye, whatever her name is, Estabrook. And he's like, yeah. And it's like, well, what happened to her? And it's like, oh, she got fat. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. That's kind of cold-blooded. Yeah. I feel like that's how Hollywood treated her, though. It's exactly how Hollywood treated her. So Paul Newman finds her, Shelley Winters, at a bar, and he pretends to be a fan. Well, okay, she's at a, she's at one of those like bar, like restaurant kind of places. Eventually, that place became like a Chili's or an Applebee's because yeah. she's sitting there. And what is she doing? She <laughs> is stuffing her face with food. Yes, because of course, because she got fat, and she's right. hideous now. And so he's saying he wants an autograph and actually, and then he sits down next to her and he is, he's just smooching her. Um, and he buys her a drink and she says, well, what's your sign? And he's, and he, and no, what's your, uh, what's your birth date? And so she, he tells her and she goes, oh, you're a Gemini. You're hot, cold hearted. <laughs> We have two Geminis in our family. They're so cold-hearted. And the dancing is going on. Some people are doing the jerk. And some people are doing the boogaloo. And there there are more than five people of color in the in this dancing bar place. That's sprinkled right. in, intermixed. Well, Paul Newman takes her to another bar. And she is drunk. So he's and getting her drunk. To pump her for information. Right. To see if she knows where Samson is. So um, she wants to go to the restroom and Paul Newman says, I'm taking you home. Where? And uh, he says, I'm staying at the Bel Air Hotel. And she says, oh, I have a friend who stays there a lot. <gasps> Does that make you jealous? And then she says she's the one who did his bedroom in the hotel. Ah. Mm -hmm. But he's not a nice man. He has a kinky personality. Oh. At that point, Miranda walks in. So uh, he he leaves Faye a minute. He says, just, just wait here. And he goes to Miranda. And Miranda's saying that Mrs. Sampson just got a special delivery letter that a half million dollars is needed and the father has been kidnapped. Oh, so they got a ransom note. At this point, Shelley Winters is on stage harassing the mariachi band. Uh, it wasn't a mariachi band. I th She wanted it to be a mariachi band. That was just a jazz band. And that was where this uh, problematic bit comes in. Cause it was she very goes, She wanted them to play La Cucaracha. And she was insisting that the piano player was Mexican. And he's like, I'm not Mexican. 
we're not gonna play la cucaracha and she's like why won't this guy admit that he's mexican because <laughs> she's was, just hammered yeah. and they i think who does paul newman get her off the stage yes and they go back to just you know playing their cool 60s jazz cool jazz it's <laughs> like there you're all you are mexican i love la cucaracha play it well she lives in the pacific palisades course so paul gets her to her little place and she collapses on the couch well while she is um snoring on the couch he is searching her home and he finds a drawer with lots of money in it yeah then the phone is ringing so he picks it up and puts a hand over it so you know he can disguise his voice and whoever's on the phone says mr troy um, it's a woman. It's Betty. Mm-hmm. And we know that there is a man with Faye, and we don't want him at the house when the truck goes through. And you're like, what? And just then a dude with a gun walks in. What? Well, the dude with the gun is Shelly Winter's husband, Dwight Troy. <laughs> who is white. Betty thought was on the phone. Saying, we don't want Paul Newman at home at Mrs. Sampson's house when the truck goes through. Are you following? I am following. I I thought it was funny, White Troy. Dwight. Not White. Dwight. (laughs) White Troy. Because I was like, man. He was White and his name was Troy. I totally missed that, White Troy. That's hilarious. No. All right. Fine. Okay. Sorry. Um, and, and Paul Newman's going, I'm, I'm just a fan. I didn't know she was married. So, uh, Troy, white Troy throws him (laughs) out. Paul Newman gets a taxi to a place called Piano Bar. Julie Harris is singing at the bar and she's doing okay. This is the, uh, Andre Previn song. I, I believe that she's singing. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, um. Paul Newman goes and sits in a booth. There are, I counted four people of color here. Yes. And um, a a note is delivered from Paul Newman to Betty. And so she takes a break and everybody at the bar is happy because then they can put on the um, boogaloo music (laughs) and dance their boogaloos off. Um, is that and so, is, is that like a real thing, or is that like we're, we're going to find out that it's problematic? No, a boogaloo was a, a kind of dance. Oh, okay. The name of a the name of one of those dances where you're um, where you're gyrating and throwing your arms around. Are we sure that that's still not problematic? Because I don't know. It just sounds like oh. Okay, they're doing the jerk. <laughs> They're doing the jerk a lot. Okay, so Betty sits down and she goes to Paul Newman, you've got cop's eyes. And she goes, I did my time and I'm straight now, see? Um, And so Paul Newman's questioning her. Samson comes in here sometimes. He gets drunk. And then she motions for a bouncer to come and take Paul Newman away because he sees that she has fresh track marks on her arms. Mm Mm-hmm. So they take him downstairs and they start to beat him up. And Alan saves him. Yeah, where'd he come from? That's what we wanted to know. 
So um, they go back to the first place he got thrown out of that night, which is Shelly Winter's place. And they are looking for a truck. And well, he, tell, Wagner, he tells Beauty to look, keep a lookout for the truck, and he goes back to look for the money. Right. And Robert Wagner wants to break the door down <laughs> to get into Shelly's bungalow. Bungalow is okay. <laughs> and he uses one shoulder, and then he uses the other shoulder, and Paul Newman just opens the door. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't locked. I was like, oh, I guess this is how Robert Wagner warmed over people's hearts and they made it so they never questioned the death of his wife like a couple, like years later. I'm like, look at him laying the foundation. Mm -hmm. Okay, the money was gone from the drawer. Then Paul hears gunshots and uh, he runs outside. The truck hits Paul Newman and then goes in reverse and tries to run him over. Yeah. Well, now we're back with Lauren Bacall. And he's saying kidnapping is a federal offense. And she's saying, do not bring the police into this. Um, and my husband keeps lousy company. Uh, Miranda comes in and the two of them do the usual banter of a mother, a stepmother and a stepdaughter. Paul Newman's disgusted. He just leaves. Yeah. Okay. You can say, oh, they're doing the usual banter or whatever, but we all know who's winning this every single time. Lauren yeah. Bacall, without a doubt. I mean, she just... It, it, Paul Newman walks away because he doesn't want to witness a bloodbath. <laughs> That's why he walks. He, he, he sees two volleys back and forth, and he's like, oh, man, this is going to get ugly real fast, and she's going to demolish this poor woman. And I don't want to see a woman's soul get broken into a thousand pieces right now. So he goes back to the lawyer, and the lawyer is putting money in the wall safe. Now, I thought this was at the lawyer's office, but it wasn't. It was just downstairs of the Sampson home. And um, they find out that Troy, Shelly Winter's husband, and Samson have been gambling. Oh. Well, uh, Miranda comes down, and uh, Paul Newman wants to go to this mountain that Samson gave away to this, these religious crazies. And Miranda goes, I'll take him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the lawyer is so lovesick with Miranda, Paul Newman laughs at him. Okay, so they're on a road in the canyons. It was like the road we were on last time, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it, was it was the like, same road. It was a lot like like a Topanga Canyon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's going fast in his little speedster, and they have banter going on about you know he's he's driving too fast, and they banter. Oh, he's I got just, a great line. There's a great line though. You. Paul Newman says this to Miranda, who Miranda is, she's just not likable. She's mm -mm. just that, you know, just snotty. Spoiled rich yeah. girl. You've got a way of starting conversations that ends conversations. Because every question she asks is like, oh, why are you getting divorced? And he's like, you've got a way of starting conversations that ends conversations. <laughs> And every question she asks, he just keeps saying that to her. Yes. So they get to the top of the mountain, and there is a structure. 
And Claude is there. He's the religious cult leader. But you only see Claude. You don't see like a bunch of people. Ma, did this, at this point, did this movie start to remind you of The Big Lebowski? I haven't seen The Big, I, I did not memorize The Big Lebowski as you did. And I haven't seen it in so long that no, Oh. But I'll bet if I looked at the Big Lebowski, this would remind me of well, it. Well, this movie did because, honestly, I had to go back and watch it one and a half times because when it got to the end, I had no idea what had happened. I was like, wait, what? I know. And the same with the Big Lebowski. But I enjoyed it. I was like, I can't tell. I was like, I have to go back. And watch a lot of this because I cannot explain what just happened, but I enjoyed it. And that was the same way I felt about the Big Lebowski. And that numerous times after, I'm like, oh, that's what happens. Okay, you might have to explain that to me at the end. So um, this Claude guy, they worship the sun god. And he has what I thought was a falcon, but it was actually a Harris hawk. Oh, so it had to have the hood like a falcon does. And um, there was a huge pot of beans. <laughs> that made like me he, laugh so hard because he's a it's a cult. He's a cult leader. And it's they're on the top of this mountain. It's this weird structure where stuff has been built. And it's like new. It isn't it isn't like a log cabin. It's architecture. But it's not half built. There's no real walls or anything. And in the middle of it, there's a big thing of beans being cooked. I mean, it was like a cauldron. A cauldron of beans. And, and Paul's like, are, are you hungry? Because I don't see anybody else going to eat these beans. And I'm like, wait a second. No pressure cooker for these beans? No, we, they are non-compliant. So um, Claude is saying, where's the harm? You know, we just walk with love here. And Paul Newman's leaving, like, going, I missed something here. And he sees the truck tires. Yes. He sees the, the treads, the, pa uh, you know, the forensics. And because it's Paul Newman, he can look at those tracks and know they're the same tracks that almost tried to run him over. They're distinctive. Even we as the audience are like, ah, those because he when the truck ran him over he looked at them and then when we see him we're like it's the same truck yeah well like we didn't already know that well then he goes back to the samson home my god there's a lot of back and forth and there's a letter sticking out of the mailbox so he takes it out of the mailbox he goes up to the main house there's a deputy in the library and the lawyer um, the lawyer's there, and he, Paul Newman goes, I got a note. We need to leave $50,000 in the oil field tonight. And I wrote gum, because he's got that gum. It's so disgusting. He chews a lot of gum. He does a lot of, oh. and then he has to look where to throw it away. So Paul Newman goes, I think we better call the sheriff. But whoever sent this note knows that we have the money ready. So it's got to be an inside job. Yeah, because they know that we are already cashed out and the cash is in the safe. Right. Somebody has been listening in. The call is coming from inside. 
At this point, I, I'm, I'm afraid I wrote a note that said, too smartass. He was too smartass for me. Who? I didn't like him. Who are we talking about? Lou. Paul Newman. You didn't like Paul Newman? I didn't like him. He was too much. He was over the top for me. You didn't like Paul Newman. First of all, you said those words that you didn't like Paul Newman. In this movie. Second of all. I didn't like. I like Paul Newman. I don't like Lou. Second of all, the reason you say that, fine, you don't like Lou Harper is because what was your note? Too smart ass. Too smart ass. Wow. <laughs> I have a feeling my feelings are going to get hurt in a minute. No, I just think that that's hilarious that he's too smart ass. And that's why you don't like him. Well, you know, that's when we talked last night. And I really, I had to sit and think about it for a long time. Why? I, I loved Cool Hand Luke, who was a smartass, but I didn't like Lou Harper, and it's because Lou Harper is a narcissist. It's all about him. But Cool Hand Luke wasn't a narcissist. Well, he didn't. He wasn't doing it for other people to then go, oh my God, you're so cool. He was doing it because it was his way of dealing with it, and he didn't care what anybody else thought. Lou Harper acts like he doesn't care what everybody else thought, but he does. He wants everybody else to go how cool he is. No, I I thought that Lou Harper, to me, he wants to solve the crime. He does want to solve the the crime. He's very driven, like like Luke was very driven. But Luke wasn't driven. Luke wasn't driven at all. That's he was aimless, and that's how he ended up in prison. And plus, he had the PTSD. He was very oh. lackadaisical and like, oh, well, whatever. But when he set his mind to something, he was going to do it. He was going to escape. Yeah, I but mean, he, he never had... thought anything through. Harper thinks no, things through. He, that's true. Harper is like, okay, who do I have to be to get the information that I need? Yeah, I, I know. But he was just such a smart... Okay, anyway. And he's also... He's a private investigator. He gets hired by wealthy people. So all he ever sees is these wealthy people in these situations where they've brought all of this upon themselves and they're always, like, drunk and they have bad relationships and stuff and he's just in that world and all he wants to do is just make the money and solve the case. He just cares about solving the case. You're right. So Lauren Bacall says, are you going to rescue my Ralph for me? And it's done pretty much like I just said it, like so over the top that she obviously doesn't care. And so Paul Newman heads out. Oh, they both, Paul Newman and Beauty, Robert Wagner in the car together. Robert has the um, bag of money. So they are at the oil field. So Alan throws the, the bag of money right where he's supposed to. And uh, then there's a Ford truck that comes. Paul, Paul Newman is, is scoping it out. And then there's, I wrote a caddy, but it wasn't a caddy, a white convertible. And then we hear gunshots. 
Paul Newman gets out of the car. The caddy pulls away. Paul Newman is running in the oil field. The, he finds the truck driver has been shot. Um, and the person driving the white convertible was a girl with long hair. Red hair. And then uh, Paul Newman finds matches in the truck driver's pocket that say the corner, another lounge. Mm -hmm. So Paul Newman goes there, and it says it's cocktails and dinner. And there's a hostess there who has rollers in her hair mm -hmm. on the job. And Paul Newman goes into one of his, I owe a dude money and I'm looking for the guy. Well, did you notice Eddie. how he, he walks in the door, he surveys it, and then did you notice how he instantly decides what character he's going to be and his he changes how he walks and his posture and he walks up to the woman and he, start, and he starts schmoozing her. Wow, with, oh, I, I bet. Well, that's just one of the things that you pick up on when you watch it a second time. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, and, and she's like, really? You owe a dude money and you're going out of your way to find it? And he goes, yeah, you know, when it's, when it's the mob, you got to pay or you're going to pay another way. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And so she says he ain't been here for three nights. But he did make a long-distance call. Um, so then Paul Newman goes to talk to the boss behind the bar. And... They all think that he's the bookie. and Because Paul Newman's story is that he's from Vegas, he's a bookie, and the guy won, and he needs to pay him. Because you can't be a bookie and not pay, because then people won't want to bet with you. Like, if people win, you got to pay them. So then he goes to a pinball machine, and I went, oh, here we go again, yay. But he didn't even get to play pinball because a cop car pulls up. And it's the irritating deputy, so he goes into the men's room. And he has a couple dimes in his hand to play pinball. Dimes? Mm -hmm. In 1974, when I was playing pinball, it was quarters. So um, there is a... A payphone in the men's restroom. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. So he chews up some paper towels, sticks them in his mouth, and makes a phone call. And he calls his wife. Gots to call Janet Lee. Gots to call Janet Lee. And the uh, paper is supposed to disguise his voice. He, he's well, doing she a shtick. Yeah, he's doing a shtick where he, he's calling, saying that she won flute lessons or something. And so um, she goes, you know, my my ex-husband used to do this. That call me at all times of the night. And they end up laughing. <laughs> and then she tells him to kiss off. Yeah. Well, the deputy comes into the restroom, tells Paul Newman to put his hands up. But he finds out that Eddie phoned Vegas three nights ago and Samson was in Vegas three nights ago. And then when they go outside, the truck, the truck is in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. But the truck driver sees a cop car and so he leaves. Well, Paul Newman follows him, of course. 
I have three people of color. Where? I don't know. Oh. The truck goes to the mountains. Uh, and I guess they get out. And Paul Newman's saying, where's Samson? Oh, he goes back to the religious retreat. Yeah, because the truck goes to the religious retreat, right. right? And he comes in, and there are three people of color behind him. And um, they jump Paul Newman. And then it's like it's like beetles. They there are a bunch oh, of well, them coming up out what, of the off, what, off. He get they get called out from Claude the uh, Strother, whatever his face is. He's like yeah. hermanos, and I'm like that's brothers. And he's calling them out. He's like, hermanos. And he says other stuff that I don't know. Maybe something to do with heart. Couldn't be sure. My Spanish I, is spotty. I was still confused. Uh, these are the people at the religious center here who who are down in the in the bush and everything. And so, and then they're beating him up and they're um, dunking him in water. And Troy is there, Shelley Winter's husband. Well, we find out that Claude and Troy have been smuggling immigrant workers. What? Topical. Oh, I was like, that's who the beans were for. That's who all those freaking beans were for. And um, so Paul Newman's going, your driver kidnapped Samson. And he got the money. So whoever killed him got the money. And it's a white convertible. And somebody said, well, that's Betty's car. And Betty moved to a beach house. And they leave Paul Newman with a big dude. This big dude is supposed to watch Paul Newman while everybody else goes looking for Betty because they want the money. Well, the big dude was the, was the puddler guy who was the bouncer at the club where Betty sang. And right. that was the guy that was that beating Alan him up. Alan saved him from. Yeah. So he wants he wants revenge. And so they have a fight scene. Mm-hmm. And Paul Newman eyes a file in the shed and he, he is actually he lets the guy fight him enough to throw him over to where the file is. He picks it up. He slices the dude's well, forehead. Well isn't this they, they took they took Paul, this big dude took Paul Newman to another location. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and then they have, like, this whole fight thing. And didn't the whole, he he hits him with a file. The blood in this film is very fake. It's like, it's like German ketchup. It's super red. It just looks like red paint. Not maroon and- paint. Not, and watery, real watery. Yeah, it's it's real red. And yeah, you're like nah, almost, almost orangish. Yeah, and you're like, no, nah, that's not it's not really working for me, guys. Um, and then they're doing like this whole chase scene, which kind of reminded me of the Third Man. Mm-hmm. Very dark. They seem to be some sort of propeller factory. Because Paul Newman's running, and every time he go, he stops, he tries to to uh, saw through his ties, his wrist tie things. Yeah, it was a rope, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Well, um, finally, they go up on this platform, and Paul Newman is able to dodge and weave, and the dude falls to his death. Yeah. So the next scene, you hear knocking, and you see Janet Lee at her place, and there's knocking on the door, and who is at the door? That's Paul ne- Beat up Paul Newman. And he's going, I'm cold. And she's going, I can't help you, Lou. Help me, Susan. And she goes, you'll just leave me. What do you want from me? And he goes, just a few kind words. <laughs> and they kiss and they go into the bedroom. Well, the next morning, she is cooking breakfast. Oh, that would have made your poppy so jealous. Ah, she's just making, she got bacon. And then in the middle, she's got eggs. She got four sunny side up eggs. Mm. And he comes in in a suit. Oh, because the night before he promised, he said that he was done. He was done. He wasn't like, nope, I'm done with this private eye stuff. Yeah. And she says, you're going back on what you said last night. And then, and why do you have to go back? And he goes, because it's not over yet. She goes, all this food, I feel like such a fool. Yeah. Because she fell for him again. And he wasn't even nice. He wasn't loving at all. It was he got what he wanted. Now he's leaving. Yeah, too bad. Bye-bye. He's like, see ya. He's like, look, this is who I am, dame. This is who I am. Yeah. Another reason why I didn't like it. Well, he's back at Samson's house. The lawyer is there. Uh, the sheriff shows up. Um, they have arrested Betty for murder. They've arrested Troy for smuggling immigrants. So Paul Newman goes into Alan's guest pool house and he sees all these jazz records and they're jazz records of Betty. And, um, uh, the, the, the Robert Wagner comes in and he's going, well, what's going on? And, and he says, um, well, I'm trying to tie you with Eddie Rossiter and Betty because you're the only one who knew about Samson canceling the car. And so when, when you, when those gunshots went off at the truck, you weren't, you weren't trying to hit the truck. You were trying to signal them. It wasn't safe. And so Robert Wagner spins his tale of how that's not true. That's all circumstantial evidence. It's not true at all. So Paul Newman goes, okay, okay, I believe you. And then he goes, you know what? The idea of you and Betty, it just doesn't cut it as couple of the week. She's a junkie. She's a blemish come to life. And he went on and Mm -hmm. on and on about how awful Betty was. And how the two of them could not possibly be a couple. And he said, she was all over me. Oh, yuck. He was like, she's probably a nympho. I don't like, yeah, I guess you could. We wouldn't be with her because I can't imagine anyone touching her. Oh, she's filthy. 
It's like cozying up to fungus. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Oh, and Robert Wagner's getting so angry. He pulls a gun on Paul Newman and says, you can be very cruel. And Paul Newman goes, "I all I want is Samson, if he's still alive. And Robert Wagner goes, he is so far. So Paul Newman goes, take the money. I was only hired to find Samson. I don't care about the money, but killing me gets you nothing. Um, and Robert Wagner goes, well, Betty and me, we won't be running. We're going to be in her little cottage by the sea. So at that point, Alan picks up a pillow to muffle the gunshot when he's going to shoot Paul Newman. You hear a gunshot, and Paul Newman catches Alan, and he's got blood all over him because Albert walked in and shot Alan. Right on time. Right on cue. Well, Paul Newman does do, he throws, he does an awesome move. He's staring him down. He know he's like, oh man, this motherfucker's gonna shoot me. Paul Newman throws his can of beer at the guy, and that throws up. Cause who throws beer at somebody? And Not my family. He's like, what? And then Paul Newman does a front somersault and pops up, and and that's when they're like in the embrace, and then he gets shot. Right? Cause and the gun goes flying. I think yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. So uh, Paul Newman says, get the sheriff on this. He picks up the gun. And and then he goes, I wonder how Miranda's going to take that. That you, who want to marry her, just killed her favorite person. Mm -hmm. And Miranda walks in and she goes, did she walk in? Because she goes, I don't give a damn about my father. No, she doesn't. He goes, they leave. This was kind of weird oh, to me. Okay, yeah. They leave Robert Wagner. He, oh, he gets shot in the back. He collapses. There's blood. I guess they instantly knew he was dead because there's no like, well, let's let's see if we can save him. There's right, none there's of no that. There's no 911. There's no 911. They just leave him on the couch. They go out. He's... Uh, Paul Newman wipe like washes off the blood in the fountain, and then that's right. And then they go back in the main in the big house. And she and Miranda is like doing her rich girl thing with like what is that called with the flower arrangements? She's doing that. She's arranging flowers because she's that's what rich. It's called arranging flowers. Yeah, and so Paul Newman tells him, "Oh, you know, hate to say this, but I got some good news and I got some bad news." The good news is, is that your father is probably still alive. The bad news is, is that your boyfriend's dead. And he's always like, I didn't kill him. He was trying to kill me. And, oh, but in, and then this instance, it was, I think, and then she says, oh, she complains about how she's just like her stepmom because she really wouldn't mind if her father was dead because he was such a horrible person. Right. And then that really, sh now she shook because she's like, oh my God, I'm just like the woman that I despise. Mm -hmm. And I say, you can learn a lot from that Lauren Bacall, Miranda. <laughs> it's not like you guys can join forces. It's still not too late for you guys. Yeah, there's plenty of money. Plenty of money. 
This could be the beginning of a beautiful relationship for you two. And then um, I think that's when What's-His-Face walks in. Yeah, Albert walks yeah. in and she runs to him because it's like, uh, this is all I got left. Yeah, and she, well, no, because she says, do you think that I'm a horrible person? And of course, Albert's like, oh, my God, no. You, <laughs> you're like perfection. Oh, oh my oh, gosh. Oh. And so then he, she runs into his arms and I mean, Albert's done. Well, Paul Newman is on the PCH, and he stops in a gas station, and he's asking, where's Castle Beach? And so he gets directions. So he drives up to this place, and there's the white mercury convertible. Mm. And you hear Betty screaming. Out, uh, she's inside her little bungalow, but on the outside, you hear screaming. And there is Troy, Shelley Winter's husband. Claude, the religious cult dude, and they're torturing her. But did you notice that, like, Paul Newman hears the screaming, and he's like, hmm, this woman's screaming. But, eye on the prize, Paul Newman, Lou Harper, he's like, let me think this whole thing through. Yeah, he doesn't rush in there to see. He's got a plan. So he goes to all the tires, and he takes off the tire caps, and... I guess in those days, if you took off the tire cap, your tire deflated. Hmm. I missed that. Yeah, he's, that's what he's doing. He's taking off all of the tire caps so that all the cars will have flat tires and they won't be able to chase him. Well, that was smart. This guy has plans, unlike Luke, who was just Mr. Flying by the Seat of His Pants. He was, but he was a whole lot cuter. Well, yeah, he was a little oh. cuter because he was a whole. He was in way better shape. I noticed that. I was like, "Oh, Paul Newman got in better shape for Cool Hand Luke," and he had his shirt off a lot more, and he was a lot dirtier and sweatier. Okay, so they're back inside with Betty, and they're saying, "Tell us where the money is, because this time I'm really gonna hurt you." And he takes a cigarette and he starts burning her with the cigarette. Yeah, he's like burning the bottom of her feet. So disgusting. So she screams again. But then I have a question. Because he's burning the bottom of her feet. That's what's making her scream. And then he says, where's the money? And she's not talking. And then he holds up the cigarette. And we see her face. And he's like, I guarantee you, this one's going to hurt more than anything ever. And then we just hear her scream. Like her scream goes up a notch. Where did he put the cigarette? I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to speculate. D- but why aren't you? I don't even want to think about it. I was wondering. I'm like, it's 1966. Obviously, they, but I'm like, are they alluding to that which is unnameable? Let's, let's, let's keep it unnameable. Do you think that that's what they like, or was it just me and I'm being my ma's daughter, assuming the worst? I think I think you're pretty much uh, me with the hustler in the bathroom. I I did because I I'm just like, but then I okay, yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot because it didn't really make a lot of sense. But then I'm like, well, where else would they? 
See, I thought they were just like um, torturing her and then the cigarette burning her with the cigarette was what was going to hurt the most. No, they ha he had been burning her with the cigarette oh, see, on I the bottom of her feet. Okay. He had that was what was and she's being held back in the rocking chair by someone and then her the her the bottoms of her feet are being burned by the cigarette and then he's like this one's going to hurt like more than you're ever going to know and I'm like where is that one going? Well, let's not talk about it. Okay. But okay. she's wearing pants too, which that also threw a wrench into this whole thing and i'm like is this just movies being movies here well maybe maybe he burned her tongue no or he didn't burn anything on her face, face. Hmm. it's all below her face okay well paul newman pulls his gun and he approaches then you're, you're gonna have to tell us about this because i went right to the meat locker Wow, you skipped a lot. I guess I did. So Paul Newman approaches the house. He kicks in the house door. Uh, White Troy stands up with the cigarette. The woman has a knee kind of up, which I'm like, where did that cigarette go? I, I'm like, but his pants. Okay, get over it. And then he, Paul Newman just comes in, doesn't ask any questions, and just off the top, he fires up White Troy. He came in shooting as if he thought that that was his apartment and White Troy was in it. White Troy. <laughs> <laughs> fires him up. White Troy is dead. Claude, Claude is, has been holding uh, Betty behind and... What did, I don't forget what he does to Claude. He takes Faye, who he is also there. Claude. Oh, he pistol whips Claude. Faye, he's like, give me your shoes. Takes her shoes. Locks her in a closet. And then he goes to, uh, what's her name? Betty. He's like, can you walk? She's like, I, I kind of can't. And so he like throws her up on his hip and runs out. And they get in the car. And she and he throws uh, Faye's shoes like I think like towards the ocean. And yeah, because so because Betty goes, she's gonna get out, and he goes, she's not going anywhere without her shoes. Yeah. Um, as okay, someone so who is never barefoot, I was like, I concur. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would get me. All you need to do is take my shoes, and I'm not going anywhere. So they're in the car. He's asking where Samson is. And uh, you have the key for the locker. So the money is for where Samson is. Uh, he, he tells Betty that Taggart is dead. Well, and wait, she well, he wants to know where Samson is and she knows where Samson is. But that's that's her only bargaining chip because she has the money. Right. And he's like, well, I don't care about the money. I just want to know where Samson is. And so she's like, well, and he, and he basically says, look, or I think she says, I just want the money. And then me and beauty, Robert Wagner, we're going to go off and, and live together. And Paul Newman's like, ah, eh, hold on. 
Everyone in this car who is about to live a fairy tale happy ending, take one step forward. Betty, <laughs> not so fast. <laughs> like, Betty, that's not going to work out for you because Taggart's dead. And she's like, you killed him. And he's like, I didn't kill him. He was trying to kill me. Right. And so but he it, had Taggart's gun. Yeah. So he, goes, so he takes out the gun and he, and he, yeah, he's like, do you recognize this? And then he like puts it all in her chest and stuff. And so she's crying and she's like, oh, he's dead. And then Paul Newman's like, what I don't understand is that because also in this time, we realized that the guy that was shot, that was the driver was that was the brother of Betty. Yeah, well, I mean, we didn't. I didn't know about that until he said you shot your own brother. Well, we don't. You find out about that. It, that was exposition during one of a phone call. They ran the name on Eddie, and somebody gave him the oh. background of saying like, "Oh, he was he was in trouble with narcotics and stuff, and he was a junkie, and his sis he has a sister who was also a junkie." Oh. Yeah, okay. there's a lot in this movie where you're like, wait, what? That's why I had to go back and okay. see the second okay. half of it again. So in the car, he's like, you shot your own brother in the head. And she goes, yeah, my baby brother. Um, He was the one that fingered me for being a drug user. So I guess she, he, her brother sent her to jail. And she always knew that it was her brother that sent her to jail, but he didn't know that she knew. And so she was always planning revenge. So when it came to this plan, she decided, oh, I can take the money and shoot my brother in the head and get revenge for uh, basically snitching on me. And you're like, oh, yeah, Betty. <laughs> Whoa, and Black she said, Betty. She did mention, he taught me about cars. Right. It was just an odd thing to say, I felt like. and uh, She but taught Alan him and about were, music, and he taught her about cars. Right. And Alan and me, we had real love, and you're just jealous of us. Did he die saying my name? And finally, Paul Newman goes, yeah. yeah well, because he, he kind of, the whole reason that he got himself in the position to be killed was because Paul Newman was talking greasy on Betty, the love of his life, and he couldn't handle it. He was getting so mad at, at, at him, like, besmirching his love that he just snapped and was like, you take my woman's name out your mouth. And that's why he got, because he got angry about it. So when Paul Newman is, is kind of like, yeah, I mean, the reason that he died is pretty much be defending your honor. Yeah. Okay. Well, so she tells him that um, dude is in a, a big old tankard south of <laughs> Santa Teresa. A tankard? Tankard. What is it? A tanker? A tanker? <laughs> It's not a tankard. I don't think there's a. It's D not the at Green the Man Packards. Uh, tankard. <laughs> oh. let's, let's not let's not talk about tankards at the wedding. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. I, I thought it was a tankard. I thought a it was tankard. tankers, like oil tankers. I'm gonna look it up. Okay. You go. You go. Talk. 
So where are we? Yeah, she tells them where they are. So they go to the tankards, and the car pulls up, and she tell and Paul Newman is like, of course, stay here. So you're like, right, that's gonna work. So Paul Newman go is wandering through the tankards, and it is a tankard. T a n k. Wait, <laughs> and you see the shadow come behind Paul Newman with a club and come down and. Whap, Paul Newman, he just drops. <laughs> okay, wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. There is a tankard, but it is a form of drinkware consisting of a large, roughly cylindrical drinking cup with a single handle. Tankards are usually made of silver, pewter, or glass, but can be made of other materials. <laughs> so it's what you drink your beer. <laughs> That's a tankard. That's um, there is also a, a a thrash metal band called Tankard from Frankfurt. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was the most waspy mispronunciation ever. <laughs> Go ahead and, and continue. They're tankards. So Paul Newman is laid out on the floor, and. When he when he comes to you see uh the lawyer Albert he's like he's in front of where Paul Newman is and he's like Harper Harper and he wakes up and he's like what happened to you and and Harper's like I don't I don't know like why did it take you so long to get here and Albert says cuz I was looking for a tankard and <laughs> You said tankard, but and I was looking for one, and I'm like, how is he fitting the tankard? They're so small. He's a human being. And he's like, no, I, Albert, I said tanker, tanker, not tankard. Who says tankard? What the hell is your problem, Albert? <laughs> and so... <laughs> Oh, for you know this summer when we were at the beach and there was a big one. I thought it was a tanker out there. Did you say that to anyone, or did you just I, keep it? I'm so happy that this is it. I would hate for this to have happened at the wedding. <laughs> oh my God, she just did. She just say tankered? Oh my God. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. Hey, I, I thought that tankard, I didn't even know that that was a thing. So I learned something. I thought that that was some weird Midwest accent thing, like Washington and pop that, but I just had to like, be like, wait a second, tankard. I could just picture the audience going, are you going to let her get away with that? No one's gonna say anything. Like the woman just said, "tankered," <laughs> and you're fine with that. It was so. I, I just wanted to. I was like, "Am I willing to be wrong on this one?" <laughs> yes, I am. I'm putting the family honor first. Uh, okay, so so we're now to where um, where Albert comes in and. 
and gets Paul Newman after he was knocked out. Right. Is that where we are? And he, yeah, he says, well, what, you know, what took you so long? And he was like, I couldn't find your car. He's like, what are you talking about? My car's not out there. And he's like, nope, your car's gone. And Paul Newman's like, son of a bitch. And then he's like, all right, well, let's find old Samson. So they look, they go into like this restroom area and they Ooh, see these legs. Nasty. Yeah, they see these legs and uh, Paul Newman's like, damn it. And Albert says, well, you did all you could do. And Paul Newman was like, no, if I did all I could have done, he wouldn't be dead right now with a weird, like, what is that? That's not even blood. Is he, like, is he dead? It's, what, that's German ketchup? German ketchup. Might as well get the pomfrets and the tankards ready. <laughs> Which is the correct use of the word tankard. <laughs> Let, get the tankards on the tanker. <laughs> so okay. they say, well, what are we going to do? And they're like, well, we're just going to leave them here because that's what the police want. You know, they got to do their whole crime scene thing. So they just leave. Um, And they're driving. And then they, they're like, well, he has the key. He still has the key to the meat locker where the money is. Right. And they're like, but why are we driving in the opposite direction? And he's like, we're driving in the opposite direction because she wants to, because Betty wants to get as far away from the money as possible. You know, Harper's basically in this, you know, in his private detective zone where he's like, look, I know people. I've been doing this a long time. I guarantee you, Betty isn't going towards the money. Betty's getting as far away from the money as possible because that money has done nothing but bring heartache to her. So he, the uh, Albert's like, you think we're going to find her? Are we going to be able to catch up to her? And Paul Newman says, look, my car needs a lot of work, including something to do with spark plugs. So we're going to be able to catch up to her, no problem. And right. sure enough, they catch up to her. So they're chasing her and they're in those um, high mountainy canyon roads and there's work being done or construction. And Betty, I'm going to put this down to being a junkie. I'm going to put this down to be having junkie brain. She's driving on a, the side of a mountain and she decides to go left around... <laughs> You, like you can you can go towards the you know if you if you continue going right you'll be hugging up to the mountain but and you're already hugging the mountain so to me i would assume you want to stay as close to that mountain wall as possible but mm -hmm. betty betty's like nah i'm a junkie nah <laughs> she decides to go around which means that she all of a sudden she's driving and it's like those old roadrunner uh, cartoons she's she's driving on the road and there's no road mm -hmm. and she's just like ah and so she she doesn't and the thing is it's not even like a cliff she just goes down but i'm guessing that that porsche that harper has and that betty it either doesn't have seat belts or again junkie brain she did not put in her safety belt so she dies going down a hill like when you watch it you think 
this seems like a survivable accident. Yeah, it doesn't go head over. Uh, it doesn't tumble head over. Yeah, it doesn't. E- you know what? I lied. It isn't even like the Roadrunner cartoon because her wheels stay on the ground the entire time. She's just going down a very steep hill. Yeah. And then she stops. And so uh, I'm thinking. I to think myself, she hit her head really hard on the steering wheel. She hit. Well, she hit it on the uh, windshield, too. Ow. Because you see the windshield was broken. Okay. So Harper gets out of the car. He runs down the hill, and then we see it, and we just see her kind of slumped over, so we know that she kicked the bucket. And then it cuts to night, and there's flares, and so there's crime scene tape above everywhere. And Harper is on the walkie-talkie talking to Elaine Sampson, who is Lauren Bacall. Yeah. And, and Lauren Bacall isn't up in her room anymore. She's out by the pool eating dinner. Yes. Because all of this is hers now. Yep. I get all of this. I win. Lauren Bacall is doing a victory lap. And she says, well, he didn't have an enemy in the world. He was such a good man. And then she calls, Miranda, mommy has something to tell you. Oh, the way she says that, too. I'm just like, ah, Laura Bacall, you, you do, like, you're just so deceiving. But, like, I just love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, she would be, she would have been fantastic in so many. And, like, this, this day and age where we are now with television shows and mm-hmm. streaming and everything... Man, she would have been fantastic in so many things. Should have been like, yeah. move up, move over, Charlotte Rampling. Yeah, it's, really. It's that Lauren Bacall look now, TM. <laughs> well, Paul Newman is at the locker getting the money out. He and Albert drive off. Albert's driving. Where to now? He goes, we're going to the grieving widow. So Albert's saying, you know, the sheriff says he's going to get that fourth man. And Paul Newman goes, you're the fourth man, Fink. <laughs> he, t- he takes the money out, slaps him with a, a stack of 20s. And then who cares? This and, and Paul Newman goes, this is what nailed you. And he holds up the key. And, and Albert, why? Um, he said, I... I I don't know. I hadn't intended to kill Samson, but then I was faced with the prospect of setting him free and he never would have let me marry Miranda. Perhaps I killed him for a kiss. So basically, Albert was the guy that knocked Paul Newman over in the head, which I suspected all along. Exactly. And so that's why he was there because he hit him on the head. Then he went, he killed Samson but he wasn't a part of the kidnapping, right? If he were, he would have gotten the key from Paul Newman and gone and gotten the money. Yeah, because whoever knocked out Paul Newman never took the key from him. And that's right. how he knew that it was um, Samson. Or right. not Samson. He knew that it was Albert. Albert. So they're driving and they're basically just like two friends having a conversation. And, you know, Paul Newman says, well... I got to turn you in, you know? And he just, just says, like, what what happened to you? When I first met you, you were going to become the governor of this great and mighty state of California. 
and I forget what he says to what Albert says to that. I think he was just like, oh, I think he says like the same thing that happened to you when I met you. And he's mm-hmm. talking to Harper. You were going, you were like, wanted to be basically a vigilante for justice and help people. And he's like, now look at you're popping off flashbulbs in CD motels and stuff. And Harper says, well, you know, that is all true, but that's that's the grind and he's he says i had about five or six fantastic weeks in the last year and he was like man they were fantastic so i'm guess he's talking about like a great case that he was on that was no. fantastic and I then didn't know if it was that or a woman or i didn't know i thought that it was well he always put work before susan yeah. And that's why they were in the predicament that they were in because he's exactly. addicted to the job. And so sometimes he gets great cases where he's just flying because he's really he is really good at being a private investigator. He's able mm-hmm. to do uh, improv. He's able to pump people for information. He's dogged. He doesn't give up. And I, I would imagine like being a private investigator, your great cases not every case is a great case. You got to take a bunch of probably shitty and crappy ones because yep. you're making a living. And so that's what he says. But he was like, man, but those five or six weeks, I was flying. I loved it. So he asked if Albert has the gun. So you still have the gun on you because you have until I get to the front door to uh, take me out. So he gets out of the car at Elaine Sampson's mansion and he has the money in his hand and he's walking up there and Albert takes out the gun and he slides over to the passenger's side because the door's open and he has the gun fixed on it and Paul Newman is walking and he's walking and you see the close-up of the gun shaking and then he puts, Albert puts the gun down and says, oh, hell. And then Paul Newman stops and he puts the money down and he's, he turned around. And he's like, oh, hell. And then it just freeze frames. And that's the end of the movie. Right. So did he get still, he gave, he eventually gave the money back to Lauren Bacall. I don't know. I didn't have, and I didn't have time to really research what they think happened. I don't think he kept it because all he wanted was his pay, because he did fi- finally find Samson. And I don't think the lawyer wanted the money; he just wanted Miranda. Well, the whole thing with Paul Newman was that he had to turn in, because he knew that that um, what's his face killed Simpson. So he was like, "I have to turn in my friend." And then I think they always made it out. Like they never, we never saw Simpson. We only kind of saw him partially when he was dead. Yeah, we don't even know who who was playing the part. Yeah. (laughs) Could have been a dummy. And everything though, there was like, there's nobody that's mourning this guy's death. Nobody. So the way that you kind of, I don't know that I see it is that Paul Newman was just like, well, I'm not going to. I I get like I I can't turn in my I only go cool, because Ennis his only friend, right? 
So, yeah, so I don't think he was going to turn him in for killing Samson. And um, and Albert wasn't going to shoot Paul Newman. So wouldn't Paul Newman just keep the money? Because that's, that's free money. It's free money. What's her face? Like, what's her face isn't going to be upset. She, I get she would have gladly paid. What? How much money did they? Was it? It was five hundred thousand dollars. So right. it was a half a million dollars. She had nineteen and a half million. Still. Yeah. So she, I, if we went back to Elaine Sampson, Elaine Sampson would probably be like, "I will pay half a million dollars for my husband to be dead." Exactly, because that's all that's I wanted fine. anyway. So maybe Harper does keep the money. Maybe he does. I don't think so, though. I mean, because there's other series in the detective universe. So yeah. who knows? There was supposed to be a sequel, but it was never filmed. But I think Paul Newman does reprise the character of Lou Harper in The Drowning Pool. That's what I heard or, or uh, I read, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, we will have another Paul Newman month in the next year yes and maybe we will do the drowning pool but if he's chewing that gum again i'm gonna have to let him go it it was was probably like an actorly tick that he came up with like the eye drops he's an actor yeah did you know that sinatra turned it down sinatra was their first choice to play the role and he turned it down and then the movie before, Paul Newman had done a costume piece and he wanted to do something more contemporary. So he was like, yeah, I want to do it. And now, mm-hmm. and then do you think that, because then he saw, remember, because in the verdict, wasn't Sinatra like, I will I will pay money to play this part. Mm-hmm. So he probably was like, that's the last time I ever turned down a part. Mm-hmm. That, that they're also thinking about Paul Newman for. Yes. Um. So... The books are based on the Lou Archer detective series. Mm-hmm. And they went with, they had to change the name of Harper because they only bought the rights to the book and not the entire series. And so William Goldman was like, oh, Harper sounds good. Plus, like, the guy harps on things for a living. So that's how he came up with Harper. And then. Plus, <clears throat> he had already done. HUD and the hustler. hustler and maybe ombre at that point. So it's like yes. oh, Paul Newman in an H movie mm-hmm. money. And I heard that in real life, they say every morning, Paul Newman dunked his face in a sink of ice cubes. Really? I'm considering it. I am too. <laughs> wow. I was like, is that your secret Newman? Well, it worked for him. He was still gorgeous. It just wasn't my favorite character. Didn't like how he treated his wife. Yeah, that w- it wasn't wasn't great. But I liked how he was a good de- private detective. How he he was able to pump the information and stuff. I'm like, I'm not yeah. married to the guy. Yeah. So do you have trivia? You already did my only trivia. That was, that was, oh, well, wait, let me see. Um, well, I kind of mentioned it before, but the opening credit sequence, William Goldman later said he knew he'd succeed as a screenwriter as soon as he wrote the opening sequence. 
The opening scene in Harper, in which Harper is forced to recycle used coffee grounds from the trash for his morning cup of coffee. Harper's dismay at the result, as realized by Newman on screen, immediately created empathy between the character and the audience. Ironically, that opening sequence was the last thing he wrote for that script. Mm-hmm. Uh... <clears throat> it was. Um, I I read that his character was sort of based on. Humphrey Bogart when he was a private detective in movies. Mm. Yeah, he had the very the hard boil feel to it. And so th- then the tie-in with Lauren Bacall was kind of a fun thing. Um, the car you said was the 356 Speedster that Harper drives. It was one of only 140 made. And a fully restored one has sold for $300,000 in auction. Mm-hmm. Jeez. He'd probably have to put $100,000 into it to restore it, though. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Well, that has been our month of Paul Newman. Paul Newman month concludes. Because next Saturday we will not be on the air. No. We won't. So the next Saturday is October 6th, beginning the month of October. And two of our loyal listeners. Well, well, wait a second, Ma. We have to have have a discussion here. Because if the next Saturday that we do this is October 6th, do you know what comes out October 4th? Does it come out October 4th? Yes. Are we going to have time to see it before October 6th? Well, October. I mean, well, we can do it on the weekend. Like, I can go see it Sunday, (laughs) Saturday or Sunday, and record it. Now, this is what's going to happen. Okay, we're talking about the the 17th of Stars Born. And we will not be able to do the full recap the way we usually do because I'm not taking paper and pencil <laughs> to the theater. Yeah, we can just discuss it. We will just discuss and, and recap the best we can. Yes, and compare it to... I don't compare know if I'm going to... I don't feel like watching the Streisand one. You don't have to. Okay. So, um, so we will compare it to the James Mason and Judy Garland one as best we can recall. And we'll just talk about that. <clears throat> okay. Then I don't have to pick a, an October 6th film. Yeah. This but going our first current film that we're doing. But October, aside from this little, you know, hiccup. October is going to be well. We don't like horror movies here at Gone we with the Bushes. We don't do horror. We don't do horror movies, but we do like suspenseful thrillers. We do. So, in lieu of horror movies for October, we will be doing suspenseful thrillers. We will, and that was a suggestion given to us by two of our our most loyal listeners. So we do listen when you reach out to us. Yes. Okay, so hopefully we'll be able to um, 
to view and discuss A Star is Born in two weeks. And then we'll be back with Suspenseful Thrillers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.